You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is sort of the Unpack Podcast here from AmyPackingCompany.com and SB Nation talking about your gradually improving Green Bay Packers. Follow the show at the Unpack Pod on Twitter and Instagram for pictures of my dog. I'm Zach Rapport dialing it in from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Follow me on all those platforms at Zach Rapport. And I am joined not by the usual crew, a late swap out. I'm back from my travels. We had a sub last week. This week, Justice Mosqueda is hopping on. Justice, how are you doing? Good. Can't complain. It's getting a little cold. I know you're out in New Mexico. I don't know what the start of winter is like over there, but it came early this year. And by it came early, I mean, I don't know. It's like 70 at the hottest point of the oh, day. Poor, poor guy. <laughs> and uh, it gets to be, you know, it can be like 35, 40 at night. It's the desert. It's the high desert. Is it? Yeah. Is it like Vegas? Is it like that where it's just. Once the sun goes down, there's just no, nothing to trap the heat in. Uh, yeah, it get, it gets it gets pretty cold. Only like in the, like the dead of winter is really when when that happens. But um, we're doing okay right now. But you're up in Pacific Northwest, man. Are you buried Haven't in snow the sun yet? In like a month. <laughs> hey, you don't have to worry about snow. Really, it's just I haven't seen the sun. It's like Antarctica. I'd like to see the sun at some point. You have a month of total darkness. There was one time. Uh, when I was still living out in Hood River, which is about an hour east of Portland, it's up on a mountain. Basically, it's on Mount Hood. If you ever see the mountain from you know when they show overhead shots of like Blazers games or anything like that, I was just living up there, and I went to Birmingham, Alabama for uh or Mobile, sorry, for uh the Senior Bowl, and there was a stretch where I hadn't seen bare pavement for a month, so I'm not living in that world anymore. <laughs> I don't miss just that no at all. sun. Would like to see that though. I don't miss that at all. Um, why don't we just uh, get into it, Justice? I appreciate you hopping on here, last minute, late call, late switch. Nick uh, had a work thing, I think, and then Alex had a work thing. And um, anyway, those are boring details. Let's talk Packers. They fall twenty-three to nineteen to the Steelers. Um, and I'm, I think we're going to call this episode, oops, all nugs. So what we're going to do is, uh, not the usual format. We'll just, um, we got a lot of, uh, traction on our note nugs, um, on Twitter, tweet at us after every game, um, at the unpack pod with, uh, your takeaways from the game. We got a lot of reactions from this game. Um, and we're again, late switch here on the roster. So I thought we could just dip into that. Well, uh, for some for some content. I'll start it by giving my note nug. Um, and it's just that, uh, 
Jordan Love has an 84.3 PFF grade over the last two weeks, which ranks sixth among eligible QBs in that span. Not bad. Not bad. I mean, you know, does that, that's a, that's a two game sample size and an otherwise uh, pretty rocky season. Is he the second coming of Bart Starr? No, but I don't know. I'm feeling after the last two weeks of gradual improvement, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. What about you? Yeah, no, same thing. I mean, this game is what we wanted to see out of this Packers team this year, right? Like I've mentioned it before on the podcast feed, how it looks is more important than the final result to me, right? Like you get into wonky situations where um, like that miss PAT, right? Puts you in a situation where at the end of the game, you can't kick for a a field goal to go into overtime, right? right? Less worried about that moving forward compared to just like, Hey, is, is the passing game looking good? Cause I need the passing game to look good to really have any hope in this being the core moving forward. Totally. Um, yeah. Do you have a, uh, a, a general note nug from this game? Otherwise we'll go, we'll go into fan stuff. Not really. Not that the fans probably haven't picked up at any yeah. point. <laughs> That's a tough thing about this, uh, this time slot we got here. It's like, I've said this a few times uh, this season, but like by the time we're recording, the takes done been taken already uh, <laughs> from this game. But you mentioned uh, the PAT, so I'll start with uh, John Ramos tweeting in: um, "Deguara can't block a parked car." <laughs> it seems uh, uh, it's just a funny image. Um, it seems like we're seeing uh, him kind of being phased out. But I, I wanted to ask you if uh, if Deguara being on this roster this year at all is more of a, we don't have money thing, or is it a, we still think he can be a player thing, or is it like a little bit of both? Because I'm not sure he's an NFL player. I don't know. Is that harsh? Um, no, I, I think they've kind of removed that role. You know, they're not really using fullbacks too often. Yeah. And that's kind of the role that he was supposed to play, you know, once these guys ended up getting picked up um, in the draft, you know, obviously Musgrave and, and Kraft. I think he was supposed to fill a special teams role, which like, obviously he did not do uh, this past week. <laughs> right? Not like, great, Bob. But they're, they're keeping him. They're keeping Ben Sims. They have four guys out there. Like if they wanted um, Henry Pearson to be the fullback over DeGora, they probably would have done that at, at some point this year already. Like he got plenty of burn on um, in the preseason. Like he got a, a bunch of first team special team snaps and stuff like that. So, I I don't think it's a money thing. I mean, you could have added a cheap tight end like they did, you know, in terms of uh, Ben Sims, for example. Like, they could have kept the kid from Florida State. They could have uh, brought up the fullback from the practice squad. Like, they could have done things. I I, I think there's still hope that um, he would develop into something closer to a uh, Kyle Juszczyk. Obviously, that's not how this thing has panned out, but, like, that's kind of – what the plan was when they kind of made that selection, right? He was yeah. never going to be a hand in the dirt wide tight end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of the situation. He just played poorly. And at this point, I don't know if we need to have Josiah DeGora discourse in the second half of his last season, probably <laughs> yeah. in Green Bay. I can't yeah. imagine he's probably going to I, don't know. I guess the point of me asking that is, is and I'm asking because I don't know, so I don't mean to pile on him. Is he someone who makes an NFL roster somewhere else in the league is there a role for a player like that yeah i mean you saw a guy like an Oren burks right like kind of 
get another opportunity somewhere else. Um, I could see another team. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, a a cash-strapped Los Angeles Rams team, right, next year ended up adding, like, a Josiah DeGuara just to kind of fill out a role, give him a couple snaps on offense and play special teams. Like, I think he could do that for you. Um, Just didn't have a good uh, special teams effort this week. And stinks. Yeah. Stinks. And then go to L.A. and then his little neck roll can be, like, blue. I don't understand if that neck roll thing. What is that? So what that thing is supposed to do is it's supposed to like uh, impede the blood flow in your neck, which seems like a bad thing. Right. But it's supposed to impede the blood flow in your neck to like create more pressure in your head so that your brain isn't banging around in concussions. Because like a lot of the things Hmm. like the science for um, helmet technology. Right. Is like, hey, we got to like do all these things for like the outer hit. But if you're moving fast enough, it doesn't really matter because your brain is still hitting the inside of your skull. Right. So that's supposed to be what kind of helps that. It's like it builds, I guess, blood or fluid. I don't know what is in your head that surrounds your brain, to be totally honest. But that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to like lower, you know, the the blood flow in your neck so that you, yeah. you have more pressure in your brain. It's a yeah. weird thing. I don't know if it works. I'm obviously not a doctor. I'm just a talking head, but like I don't know. Seems like choking yourself out during a football game probably isn't the best way to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh high life. That's the fluid that's up there <laughs> kind of protecting your brain. <laughs> Modelo. Yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, not Hundley who tweets in his note dog with full-time refs. We win that game. Uh, can we talk about that backwards pass call for a second? Has the league said anything about that? Are they going to say anything about that? Is that like in three months, they're going to tweet out at like one o'clock in the morning that they got it wrong or how does that work? I don't think they have uh, said anything about that. I don't, I still don't think they've made a statement on the uh, offensive offside penalties from a couple weeks ago either. Oh, brutal. Um, yeah, bad stretch of refs. I mean, I, again, I'm not uh, the refs are out to get us guy. I just think people, for the most part, are just bad at doing their gigs. Um, I don't know if full-time reps help because, like, what else are they? I mean, unless they get them involved in the offseason, like doing the XFL in the offseason and stuff like that or going down to all-star games, like, they're still only getting Sunday, like 16, 17 Sundays, whatever it is. Yeah. Um to do these games. So I don't know. The, I don't know if full-time rest actually helps. The offsides thing. I have some sympathy for it's a, a point of emphasis, quote unquote. So they're being told to call it very tight. And that is a play where like, as a fan, you really don't have that straight down the line angle most of the time. So you kind of just got to take their word for it. I don't think they were the right calls, but I have some sympathy for them. But the whole backwards pass thing was like, I didn't see a single camera angle that, that showed anything else. <laughs> no, that showed anything else but a backwards pass. Maybe there was one that leaned neutral, maybe just one, but like every angle they showed was backwards. And then whoever the, I don't, who's the CBS guys? Blandino's the Fox guy. Who's the other guy? Uh, um, was it Steratore? Uh, yes. Uh, Gene Steratore. Um, he came on and agreed with the call and then the, the the booth was like i'm gonna have to disagree with you there i don't i know blandino came out hard about saying you know that was a bad call 
this yeah. week for whatever yeah. that's worth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the big thing is they had a shot right down the line, and you could see Pickett's thrown at the front of the numbers. The guy ends up, you know, touching the ball at the back of the numbers. That can only happen if the ball is going backwards. Yeah, right. It's like so, science, folks. Yeah, I think that's that was a blown call. Which again goes back to the point of feel good about how the team looked overall. Less less caring about the result because yeah, we definitely got hosed on that one. Yeah, there's a couple of annoying things in this game. I mean, the Packers also left some plays on the field, but yep. I don't know. Feeling positive. Feeling positive. Moving on to uh, Chris, who tweets in his note nug. Are Reed and Wicks the guys? I uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about this uh, wide receiver group for a second because we came into the season thinking Watson and Dobbs, one and two, going to take that second-year leap, and then we've got these new guys. Um, we'll be able to uh, bring them along slowly but surely. But it seems like they've really emerged as, I don't want to say one or two, but the more reliable options. Yeah, I'm well... Reed's leading the team in receiving, right? Yeah. So if you want to call him a one, but he's the slot and he's not out there really for two wide receiver sets, like you can do that. Um, Dobbs, I don't think has gotten better this year. And Watson, I think has gotten worse, frankly. Um, I know there's kind of been conflicting messaging out of the organization about what is going on with Watson. Like they asked Matt about it and he was like, yeah, he's got to run routes hard full speed, like be confident in what you're doing and, and get your job done. And then Jordan Love today was basically like, yeah, I got to do a better job of giving him more catchable balls. Um, a lot of those contested catch attempts have turned into interceptions, right? I think the stat that's floating around right now is that five of Love's interceptions um, have come on Christian Watson targets. And some of that is certainly on Love, but some of that is also Watson not necessarily fighting for that ball, right? Um, so a tricky situation when i watch watson i don't think i'm seeing a guy who's fully healthy i know he's on the injury report today we're recording this on a wednesday for a shoulder injury i don't remember him actually leaving that game with a shoulder injury and he left the game before with a back chest and was being evaluated for concussion so we're talking about his fourth injury in two games not including all the hamstring stuff that he's dealt with i'm not sure i'm seeing a guy who can run full speed at this point and maybe he can and that's what Matt was alluding to, but I, I think we're looking at a banged up Watson, which yeah, I'm not sure at this point what you do with. So I, I would hope that if he's not a hundred percent at this point, um, use him less. Cause I don't think yeah. teams are really falling for the whole Christian Watson decoy thing, which yeah. if he's 80%, like, I don't know what else you do with him really. Cause he was just kind of a deep speed guy and like an yeah. end around guy and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it is a tough evaluation knowing that he was hurt and probably still is hurt. I think it's interesting to hear you say that he's gotten worse in his second year. I was listening to uh, Blue 58, our colleague John Meerdink's podcast, and he was talking specifically a, a whole episode about basically the Watson, comparing Watson and Adams and like the whole second year thing, <laughs> because that's a, a popular, Devontae Adams, I mean, that's a popular discourse on on Packers Twitter. And it was really interesting to kind of um, let someone else do, do the research and tell me what they found. Um, but just going back and, and remembering that Adam's second year and, and it, it actually wasn't as bad as, as we remember, there were definitely some yeah. rough games, but he had some injuries. Um, had it was a rough, 
two ankles in September, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Two ankle injuries, yeah. And did have some games where, where he had some drops. That, that was an issue. But the, I think one of the points that John was making was that at no point during that season did you feel like Devontae Adams was getting worse as a player. Yeah. And it seems like at times with Watson, what we're seeing is regression. That might not be the case. Like you said, he might just be injured, working through some things. It might be, it might take him a while to, you know, learn the NFL game from the mental side or his body, or I, I don't know what it is, even though he was a, an older draft pick supposed to come right in and, and deliver. But um, yeah, regression, the, the R word rearing its head. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about Watson too, is like, there's been a couple times where there's clear mental lapses, right? Like we've talked about um, him running wrong routes and stuff like that, where two guys end up in the same spot and you're like, what the heck? That's definitely not what Watson is supposed to be running. And you don't want to keep pointing to like the Wonder League stuff, but like he was supposed to be like one of the smartest players, like right. not in his draft class or at the position, like in the NFL, like he right. tested really well in terms of all the textbook stuff. So you would hope that that would translate to knowing the playbook, especially in year two. And I guess that hasn't necessarily happened. Yeah. It's hard to know. Um, let's move on to Leo who tweets in, I like Musgrave a lot. I think he's been great. He just needs to work on his balance a little bit. What have you seen from uh, from Musgrave uh, as the season has progressed? And uh, I guess to that last point, can one learn better balance? Is that a thing we can develop? I don't know. I mean, A.J. Dillon's gotten a whole lot of touches, and I don't know if his balance has really gotten any yeah. better. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of always been the Musgrave thing, right? Like, he's a vertical stretch type of guy. His balance isn't great. I think them phasing away him running all the flat routes and the stuff from in the backfield, you know, cutting across on those slicers and stuff um, has kind of helped the offense, obviously, like him being able to catch those passes the last two weeks downfield. As far as the balance thing getting better, I'm not sure, man. Like he's always kind of been a guy who goes down to first contact. I know he broke yeah. one, I think it was two weeks ago. Um, but that's kind of like what Tucker Craft was supposed to be good at. Right. So I think you guys I, I think you play those guys in different ways. And there's a reason why Musgrave isn't playing very much off the ball and stuff. Yeah. We saw uh Kraft catch a pass in this game. <laughs> yeah. Getting involved. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, this was this was supposed to be it, right? Like these are supposed to be our two tight ends moving forward. Um I did a little bit of work on uh what this upcoming draft class is supposed to look like. It looks like the Packers called their shot. At the right time. I think there's only like one tight end who's supposed to go in like the top 70 of this draft. And then there's only like one other guy who's supposed to go in the top 100. So it's going to be a drastically different tight end class this year than it was last class. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Ryan who tweets in. This play calling is more confused than an Amish electrician. It doesn't have to be this hard. Or the Amish are kind of catching a stray on the pod. I didn't see that one coming, but um Justice. Let's assume he's talking about the offensive play calling. What do you What do you think about that? The offense play calling looked fine to me. I mean, defense is more of what I have a question about. I mean, yeah. I know the whole thing has been about nickel defense and how can Najee Harris get you know these wide open running lanes at the goal line and stuff like that. Um, Matt Lafleur talked about you know two defensive linemen. We count our outside linebackers as defensive ends when we're in nickel. Like that's totally fine i i i think the big question is like 
why aren't you jamming the interior when the Steelers are just going inside run on you? And yeah. Pickett clearly wasn't going to do anything in that game. I think he completed three passes beyond five yards, had a pretty terrible performance overall. Like, uh, it, this was the first game this year that to me, it felt like on the defensive side, like their entire game plan coming into the game felt jacked up. Like, I understand yeah. that Raiders game. You need to have a check. And again, I don't know if Joe Barry was telling the truth when he said that they didn't have a check to get out of that play when Preston Smith was in the slot on Devontae Adams. High school teams have empty checks. So I think maybe he was just saving face for a backup inside linebacker and two backup mm. safeties mm. in that scenario. This game, it just clearly felt like, dang, dude. What are we doing? Who, who did we think we were playing? Yeah. It was really interesting. Um, and I say this a lot on this show, I am not a smart man, <laughs> but there was a few times watching this game. They do that sort of like, uh, the camera angle that's like behind the line that looks like Madden. Basically they right. cut to that angle on a couple plays, like just for like one second, one and a half seconds before, um, before the snap, um, with the Steelers on offense, Packers on defense. And there were a few times when they did that, where I got that quick snapshot and I was like, whoa. I don't know what this like personnel grouping is. I don't know what this formation is, but it looks very ill-equipped for the situation. And again, I am not a smart man. I'm just like some asshole on my couch. And I was like, I don't think this is going to go well for us. And it didn't. I don't know, man. It's like the story of my life seems to be watching Packers defenses give up 200 yards to teams that aren't actually that good at running the ball. <laughs> but this one was particularly maddening. Yeah, I mean, they could have used – I mean, they've they've used the penny front before. And if you look at the snap counts, you can kind of reverse engineer it and you're like, they didn't play any of that during yeah. the game. And watching the film, it shows up the same thing. Like, yeah. they could have had Keyshawn Nixon playing the nickel and still jammed up that interior, and they just chose not to. And I don't know. I mean, we're going to hear from Joe Barry later in the week, but why didn't you do more of that? Like, you've done it in the past. This was probably the game to do it. Well, I trust the Green Bay beat to ask him the tough questions. So <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a fruitful uh, press conference. Um, I want to double back to the um, the two down lineman thing. I know that this topic has been beat to death uh, this week, and I heard you and um, uh, you and Andy Herman, I believe, talking about it. My main issue with the comment that Matt LaFleur made was really like the attitude of I think what he was I think really saying the subtext was people inside the building are smarter than you in this case you is Jason Wildy or whoever is asking a question like that or talking on Twitter or whatever which I just take offense to that are most people inside the building smarter than you when it comes to football stuff sure but there are definitely people on the inside at the professional level who don't know what they're doing and everybody listening to this knows someone like that at their job. And if you don't, it's probably you. So why would it be different in the football industry? I don't know. Justice, like you, you've worked on the inside without naming names. Have you ever had the experience of realizing someone wasn't very good at their job? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, at <laughs> when I was working at the XFL and personnel, I was like, dude, these guys worked 15 years in the NFL. And there's a couple of them that I'm like, wow, yeah, I could definitely do this if that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do it. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
I, I, I think a little bit of that scenario was Matt just going to bat for Joe Barry, which is a consistent theme that yeah. uh, we've seen a little bit. And why I said a couple of weeks ago, I was like, look, we came out of this like really good defensive stretch where for like four or five weeks, the defense was giving up like 16 points a game. We only ended up winning one of those games, but like that might be enough to have Joe Barry handcuffed to Matt LaFleur. Yeah. So it's, a, you know, a, a, a both or neither type of situation. It's going to take a lot for Matt to actually pull the trigger and end up Cannon Joe because, you know, they're close. And Joe is a guy who has a lot of fans in the NFL, like just in terms of him being a coach. I think, um, what is the easiest way to phrase this? He is a no drama type of dude in a high drama um, industry. Yeah. And it's no nonsense. I think he's an easy guy to work with if you're another coach. Yeah. Um, he may not come across in the most clear way to players. And he's a guy who's probably running a scheme that he wasn't brought up in, right? Like the Ram stuff and him, you know, getting cutting his teeth in that Staley Fangio type of defense, right? Is kind of a new thing. He was more of a Rod Marinelli type of guy, you know, who's obviously, you know, his father-in-law um, before this. So those are all kind of like the factors and like the, I guess the brushes to like paint the career of Joe Barry with yeah, and why he has a lot more fans in the league than probably the outside looking in. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, I'll give you an opportunity to, defend him if you want because i know you you have been on that on that side (laughs) in a very anti-joe barry uh climate but you know if we're gonna throw him a bone um specifically with that play that play call that jason wildey was asking matt lafleur about and and some others in the game um there were a lot of injuries on the defense right no quay walker like in terms of the roster who was on the field do you think there's something to be said for the, he called that game. He, he picked a strategy based on the guys he had available and was just going to stick to that no matter what. Or do you still, or, you know, earlier you said, I'm not sure what they were thinking when this game, what was the plan? I don't know. Are we, can we give him some leash there or no? Well, so specifically in this case, so I have defended Barry on a lot of stuff um, just because a lot of times it's just the players messing up. Yeah. Um, but in this specific circumstance, They've ran Penny his entire time in Green Bay. That that shouldn't be something that's like a game plan thing. Oh, we can't call it because we didn't practice it this week. Right. Like they have the reps there. And the big injury that I was looking at um on Sunday, you know, when we recorded uh the repack was Kenny Clark, how many snaps did he play? Well, it turns out he played more than like any other edge rusher. Right. Yeah. So like um I don't think that that really limited them. If anything, the Quay Walker injury should have put them in a position where they wanted to play one inside linebacker more, which is what Penny is, right? It's that 3-4 front just taking out one of the inside backers for a nickel, which is different than taking out one of the interior defensive linemen for the nickel, right? And I think that's what fans were looking for, where they're like, why do we have two gaps on the defensive line when we're, you know, it's it's first and goal or whatever yeah. it is, and we're giving them opportunities to kind of run into two bubbles that we have to fill with you know isaiah mcduffie who's right. you know not the biggest dude and he's right. going against the guy who probably has 100 pounds on him right, right. so i'm not going to defend him for this game i think they had a bad game plan 
Um, don't know why they ran it like this, but also they're not going to see this offense again for a little bit, right? Like they're yeah. not, this Chargers offense is going to be pretty different from what the Steelers run. Yeah. Yep. But uh, to your, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just keep going back to the two down lineman thing. Cause like, yeah, you got, I don't like, you want to call Rashawn Gary a down lineman, whatever he's, he's, <laughs> he's off. He's off the formation and yeah. off the line of scrimmage by yards, by, <laughs> by like six feet. And you got a play that's obviously going to be a run up the middle nine times out of 10. So, anyway. yeah, I mean, that's why I think the questions were valid. And yeah, yeah. I, I said it uh, with Andy. I think I said it or no, it, it wasn't on Sunday. So, yeah, I only said it with Andy. But um, yeah, I think that's totally justified. It's like, why didn't you use more interior linemen when they were running inside run? And maybe that's how the question should have been phrased. But the fact that Matt jumped all over Wildy to save face for Joe Barry and semantics that I, I don't think really matter um, yeah, came across poorly to me. It did come across poorly to me as well. And, and really, it just struck me as like, I don't know. That's a, that was a moment where Matt LaFleur basically is saying, get off our back, get off our back. And I, as the like CEO coach, am going down with the ship, right? Like to, to your point, like we're handcuffed together. I'm not going to throw this guy under the bus. He's done that before. Yeah. I mean, he said it before that Joe is just running his defense. Right. Yeah. So like, I don't know, like at some point, take him for his word, man. Like he yep. means that. Hmm, we're <laughs> we're upsetting a lot of people right now. I'm a little I, I'm a little indifferent because I, I trust you, but, but these guys are in foxholes, man. Like they ride for their people. It's what yeah. they do. Like all right. Um anything um not on this grab bang list that you found interesting or think we should hit on? Um I'm trying to think off the top of my head. We hit the receivers already. I don't think so. I think that covers a lot of the takeaways to actually take away from this game. Yeah. That aren't just young guys getting reps, working through the pains of that. Yeah. Well, here's something uh, we can generate some talk here, but I wanted to, we're, we're oh, so annoying that the season is now an odd number of games. We're a little over halfway through the season now. So I wanted to revisit quickly um, our season long props for degenerate corner that we did earlier uh, uh, before week one um, and just check in and see how we're doing. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Not so great, Bob. <laughs> um, the first one is Packers win loss over under, uh, which was 7.5 at the beginning of the year. Well, Christian Watson's dad said no one expected this team to win a game. So when I wrote that up, I had to check that line and it was the same thing, seven and a half. And I'm like, Families I don't do be know tweeting. if that was true. Yeah, not, not true. Families do be tweeting. Uh, uh, Alex took the over. Nick took the over. I took the under. I've said all I've said. I mean, I didn't expect three games, but six is my, that's my threshold. Um, here's another, here's another rosy outlook. Christian Watson touchdown over under beginning of the season you want to guess what the line was oh 
eight and a half. Four point five, actually. Oh wow, it was that yeah. low, and he's yeah. still not hitting it. <laughs> we all took the over on that one. We were like, "Oh, it should be like seven. Um, oh, was he got man. one? <laughs> yeah, I think he has one and five <laughs> interceptions targeted. So yeah, not great. Um, Jordan Love touchdowns. 21.5 is the line and we've all taken the over there what are, where are his numbers at i think he's like on pace for that one yeah let's uh um, should be in that a range. quick google we've got uh 14 touchdowns 10 interceptions definitely on pace yeah feeling pretty good about that uh romeo dobbs receiving yards the line was set at 550.5 oh. um He's Which actually, he's on pace. pace for that. Yeah, I think he's he's over three hundred. I think. I believe so. Yeah, I think he, he should be right up there with Jaden Reed for highest receiving yards. Uh, three hundred and forty-three receiving yards and six touchdowns. Yep, six touchdowns. Uh, a lot it of touchdowns lot of for someone that we've got a lot of complaints about. <laughs> I was gonna say the the thing is, there's a lot of targets. Uh, to lead to those touchdowns is the problem. I mean, how many times did they throw contested balls to him in that like Saints game, for example? Like, of course he was the Saints. Yeah, trying to think, was was it the Saints? There was like they threw like five end zone fades, and he finally caught one. That was that was the Saints game. Yeah, so it was like it was like they were just practicing. They're like, we're gonna we're gonna try it again. We're gonna get one of these. Run it back. Uh, what else we got? Uh, AJ Dillon rushing touchdowns over under the line was 6.5. And uh, how many does he have? Like Nick took the over. I think he's got one. Yeah. I think he's got one. Oh, this reminds me. I wanted to quiz you on an AJ Dillon stat. Let me just pull up his stats real quick. (laughs) No cheating. All right. Um, nine games in what is AJ Dillon's rushing yardage total right now? Uh, it's got to be in the two hundreds, right? It's three. It's three seventy six. Okay, that's way better than I thought. Yeah, still not. Still not. Still not good. great. I mean, the Although, number one act was hurt for weeks. So. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Although, yeah, I mean, so the average has has crept up steadily over the last couple of weeks. The season average now is three point seven yards per carry, and uh, I mean, he had uh, seventy yards on nine touches versus the Steelers, including that one. The long one. The long one that he broke off his career long, I believe, where it's funny. I I watched the replay recently, and my memory turned out not to be true. But my memory of that run was that he started to high step for no reason other than he was excited that he was going to break a long run, and he wanted to, like, he wanted to Deion Sanders it. But he was, like, there was, like, someone at his feet. He was trying to kick him off. (laughs) But I just thought it was so funny to see him break that huge run and then start high stepping. (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to here i will find this stat i will not take this as an answer oh my god espn makes it so hard to look up college stats oh no i found it all right his long so that was oh no he's done some pretty long runs before in college 75 yards 74 yards 61 yards i need to see what the heck those look like against acc competition yeah, that's as long as in the NFL for sure. I expect a um, 
a cut up from you of his college, his longest college runs. I might do it for fun just to see what it looks like. Cause yeah, I don't know. All right, justice. I think that's all I got for you. Um, maybe we'll, we'll go out on this. Um, again, on the theme of we're a little bit over halfway through the season. What do you hope to see out of the rest of this season in order to, I don't want to say consider it a success per se, but like, what are you, what are you looking for down the stretch? Just improvement in the offensive passing game, man. Like if they can keep getting that Jordan love performance from Sunday over and over, that's good. I just want to see something replicable that is trending in a positive direction there. Cause I think on the defensive side by 2025, which, you know, I have now set as the standard of like when I want this team to be contending. Yeah. Contending. Right. You're going to have different safeties in there. Who knows what the inside linebacker situation is going to look like with Devondre Campbell's contract and stuff like that. Um, I just want to see improvement there that you can hang your hat on because you have so many young contracts at quarterback and wide receiver and I guess tight end too. Um, that you really need those guys to perform to kind of hit those goals. So yeah, you need receivers to stop dropping passes, and you need more of those touchdown dimes from uh, yeah, you from two love. Of them. Two of them. Can we talk about that for just just a hot second? Those were two really really nice passes in a season full of not very nice passes and a lot of criticism, especially on Twitter. Um, I don't feel like he's getting enough love for those two passes. Yeah, I mean he. Really good, almost hit 300 yards. Would have been the first time in two years, almost like yeah, to the two day. Years. So. Yeah, that's it's funny you say that. There's been so many times over the last few weeks where some Yahoo tweets in like Aaron Rodgers would have won that game, and I was like, "Did you watch last <laughs> year? <laughs> How many yeah. like 190 yard passing performances do we need to see last year?" Anyway. We're not dwelling on the past. Um, what do we got coming up on a, on a Friday? Are you going to be doing Intercepted this week? Yeah, I haven't figured out exactly which guest I want, but we are going to do an actual real deal preview after two weeks of not doing previews and just like talking Packers on Intercepted because I don't think the, the opponent really mattered. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to do a real deal preview about the Chargers. Um, preview, Derwin James. Not that good anymore. Yep. Surprising. Spoiler alert. What's your uh, quick, uh, then I'll let you go, early vibe check on this uh, on this game coming up against Chargers? Oh, man. It's winnable, but we're going to need to see probably a better pass rush than what we saw against the Steelers. I yeah. know um, probably the best Schneidman for The played. Athletic had the uh, article about how Rashawn Gary needs to earn his money. I think Rashawn Gary's done plenty this season, but this game obviously wasn't his best effort. Yeah. Um, against the Chargers, you're going against Justin Herbert. I understand Keenan Allen is banged up. You didn't practice today. Um, you know, that wide receiver core in general is pretty banged up. I think Mike Williams uh, is still on the injury report. And then uh, Palmer is on or on injured reserve. And I think Palmer just got hurt, too. So these guys are banged up, but still Justin Herbert. You still got to f- you're going to have to do something to him to make him look like a dummy. So, yeah. Old Joe Barry, what can he dial up? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> oh, get one IPA in me, and it's just sarcasm. 
so much. Want to know, want to know what I did yesterday? What's that? Drank an IPA, fell asleep on the couch at like five o'clock, watching BattleBots. So that's the dream. They still make BattleBots? Oh, buddy, <laughs> they they sure do. I saw. I've... I can't remember what streaming service I was on. I found it and I've watched like two episodes of BattleBots just straight zonked. Oh my god, that is that's a throwback. Is that show like fifteen years old? It's entertaining, yeah. Apparently, there was a big gap about a 15 year gap. Oh, okay, they brought it back, yeah. Gotcha. I was like, man, I haven't had cable in like 20 years. They're still making battle bots. <laughs> I feel like Rip Van Winkle, like I just woke up after a 20 year nap. <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> Justice, thank you on short notice for hopping on with me for this oops, all nugs edition of the Unpack Pod. Um, Nugs is better than shake. That's true. <laughs> um, oh, and I don't think I said it at the top of the show, but we have uh, we came to you today via the official Glenn's Not Dead Yet Memorial Zencaster account. Thank you, Glenn. And um, that's all we got for you today. For him, I'm me. Keep it locked into the podcast feed here for all things Packers. And um, let's go Pack Go. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.